The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, and we are so happy to have so many of you emailing us, following the show. Such great listeners I have. Thank you very much. And you know, before I introduce the guest, what I have to remind you, whether you are Democrat or Republican, what is important? Vote. So if you're not registered to vote, make sure you get registered to vote. And we have a real advocate with us today. He is a wonderful person, and actually, I just saw him uh, last week at the uh, AAPD Gala, and he is always involved in national disability issues. He is a wonderful leader in America. Brewster Thackeray, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Joyce. Uh, It's very good to be here. Yes, and before we begin, how did you enjoy that gala last week? Well, I, I enjoyed it tremendously. It was a great night. It was so good to see you there and so many other uh, wonderful advocate friends of mine who are out. And uh, I, I was uh, very glad to find out when I came to AARP back in, in 2004 that uh, the organization was already a sponsor of the AAPD gala, and we've substantially deepened our support since then. I was very lucky this year to serve on that gala steering committee and pitch in as the event came together. I knew it was going to be a really good one this year, and I'm, I'm sure you agree it was. Uh, I think anyone who was there uh, really can feel that it has, it's risen to a world-class level. Um, it, yes, it has. It really has. It was fantastic. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, I am on the executive board of the American Association of People with Disabilities. If you want to know more about the American Association of People with Disabilities, go to aapd.com. Um, this is the cross-disability organization in the United States for Americans with Disabilities. And every year in March, they have the AAPD Gala in Washington, D.C. And I just want to tell you, it was fantastic. It is every year. If you want to go to what I refer to as the Academy Awards of the Disability Movement, you go to the AAPD Gala. And, Brewster, I wanted to thank you personally and AARP for being such a generous sponsor. Well, certainly uh, it's a pleasure for me and for the organization. And I was just so happy this year, too, that we had AARP's CEO, Bill Novelli, uh, attend the gala and represent us. Uh, It it is such an amazing event, as you say. And uh, CEO Andy Imperato from AAPD and board chair Cheryl Sensenbrenner and both of their teams just deserve a ton of credit for making it such an amazing disability community event. Oh, they do. We are very fortunate to have them, and they they are both – spectacular. And you know what? That says a lot about AARP that your CEO went to that event. So, you know, kudos for him because I always tell people, if you want to know how people really feel about disability, you know it starts at the top. So, once again, thank you and thank you AARP for being such a generous sponsor. Uh, But Brewster, many of our guests may not know how you yourself came to be involved in the disability community. 
Um, so for our listeners throughout the world, how about if you talk about that first? Well, I'm, I'm happy to, and, uh, and I have to say, Joyce, there's four answers to that question that you just asked me as to how I got involved. The first uh, answer is that my parents were very close friends when I was growing up with a couple named Dick and Shirley Barrett. Shirley has multiple sclerosis, and she uses a wheelchair. Dick Barrett, who uh, sadly passed away just last week in his mid-80s, he had lost an eye when he was young. And I became used to, uh, growing up as I did around them, to being around people who had disabilities. Uh, I got used to that very early on. And I learned, for instance, that a wheelchair is a liberating device. Uh, that it's not a ball and chain for someone who needs it. It's an important tool. I saw that the Barrett's house was accessible with a ramp and an elevator, and what I realized was my parents' house was not. Anybody could visit the Barrett's house, but they couldn't visit ours. And that was my first introduction to the importance of universal design mm. and its potential. Mm-hmm. The next thing for me was uh, when I was 13 years old, I became a volunteer at the Mother Cabrini Nursing Home down the street from my house in Dobbs Ferry, New York. I learned a lot about institutions when I was working there, I saw, frankly, that there were some people whose conditions made it appropriate for them to live in institutions, but I also saw many who did not need to be in that nursing home. And one of those was a 79-year-old man named Harry Guest. He'd had a stroke, but he was making good progress on his recovery, and he was just desperate to get out of there. I helped his family doing some research on what the options might be. What he really wanted to do was move back to his old home of Nantucket Island. It turned out there was a pretty well-suited place there called Our Island Home, which was an assisted living facility. And he did move there, and a year later I visited him and saw how he'd regained so much of his independence. It was in such a happier, less hospital-like environment. And I came to understand, even at that very young age, that there were a lot of people in nursing homes who might not belong there. Then I had a, a pair of disability experiences of my own. I had a serious stress fracture when I was on the track team in college, and it left me getting around New Haven for a summer on crutches. I got to spend a lot of time thinking about the importance of accessibility and mobility options. And then when I was 21... I had a couple of grand mal seizures. I was in the hospital, and I overheard people discussing whether I'd have to reconsider career plans, whether I'd be able to drive again, and other severe implications. I was lucky I had a good doctor. I was able to get off of Tegretol within about two years, and I've been seizure-free since 1992. But I never forget that it's just raw luck that I haven't had more enduring effects from epilepsy, and that like any disability, just because it goes away one day doesn't mean it won't be back tomorrow. All of those experiences, for me, were preambles to the fourth and most important way that I got involved in being a disability advocate. I was director of communications for the League of American Bicyclists here in Washington when I saw an ad in the Washington Post that the National Organization on Disability was hiring for that same communications position. I secured an interview with founder and president Alan Reich. He offered me the job, and I knew right away that I was off uh, to have an amazing experience working for that singular mentor. And what... A great opportunity that was. Alan Reich, many of you know, listening to the show, passed away, and he is and was and will always be remembered as such a great leader in the disability community. Um, I remember one time when Brewster worked at NOD, and he had to jump on the phone and do a show for in place of Alan because Alan did not have access to the uh, landline, but then Alan himself called back and did a show also, um, and he is so highly respected still today and thought of. Um, I, I'm sure you learned a lot from him. Absolutely. Well, it is an honor to see you now moving on your own to become a disability leader. Um, and as I mentioned, I knew you worked for NOD, the National Organization on Disability, but now 
for AARP, but you are still working to help people with disabilities. Can you explain to our listeners how AARP, the size, what the mission is, you know, a little bit about the organization? Sure, Joyce. Um, this was all stuff that I was excited to learn myself when I moved from NOD to AARP back in 2004. Uh, I, I knew a lot about the organization, but I, I didn't know as much as I should have, I guess. Uh, we now have 39 million members. 39 million. Wow, and it's going to get bigger. Yeah, and, and the odds are that it will get bigger, and uh, I view that as my job security, that people just seem to keep getting older and living longer and yeah. uh, living better as they get mm-hmm. older, too. It's an exciting time. Uh, we were founded by a true visionary, Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus, in 1958. Uh, she, after retiring as principal of Lincoln High School in Los Angeles, she had earlier founded the National Retired Teachers Association, mm as a uh, outlet to provide benefits and support to retired teachers. And she found a demand from people who weren't teachers but were retired and needed uh, a support group. So she founded AARP and expanded it for all retired persons. And by the 1980s, it had become all people 50-plus, regardless of their employment status. And it's a good thing that change was made because as, as people like Alan Reich, who worked till he was 75 years old, and so many others uh, that I've come to work with, uh, People just don't retire like they used to, but uh, AARP now does not stand any longer for American Association of Retired Persons. It simply is AARP, just the acronym. And with a membership as large as it has, AARP has about 2,200 employees. The majority of those are at our Washington, D.C. headquarters uh, down at 6th and E Street, northwest in Washington. We also have many employees out in state offices, which are in all 50 states plus three territories. And for those listeners who are not too familiar with AARP, I certainly encourage you to check out our website at www.aarp.org. It's worth learning how you might connect with our national and state-based campaigns or benefit from a local chapter or from membership. AARP serves its members with group discounts, with access to insurance and other benefits, and through its social impact agenda. And uh, there's certainly a lot of things to bounce around and check out on that website. And that is, once again, www.aarp. And uh, for you, Brewster, a question that one of our listeners has emailed in is, Brewster, could you tell me, do you feel that many people in AARP, members of AARP, do you feel that they realize that as they get older that there will be a great deal of disability? Well, that's a great question there, and that's something I think about every day here. And uh, with 39 million members, that's 39 million individuals, and individuals approach things differently. Uh, I think people are more aware of that now than they ever have been in the past and more accepting of it. Uh, The neat thing is our oldest members uh, remember when Franklin Roosevelt was president using a wheelchair. So uh, while Roosevelt himself may have hidden it at the time, uh, people have been well aware since then that there are no limitations that disability has to put on people. Uh, And people are just more open and accepting of disability. I think the way, one thing I find tough in the the work I do is that nobody wants to look at disability and say, I'm going to get one tomorrow. But uh, everybody's surrounded by people who will. They accept that, friends, relatives, etc. So it's something that, that is on people's minds and should be. And with that, we're going to go to break, and we'll be back. But if you just joined us, we have the Senior Project Manager 
from the American Association of Retired Persons, now known as AARP, with the Office of Social Impact. Mr. Brewster Thackeray with AARP will be right back. Don't go away. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we have a great guest today, Brewster Thackeray, who is with AARP from the Office of Social Impact and really known across the United States as a disability leader, and we are just so excited to have him with us today on the show. Uh, Brewster, your position, Senior Project Manager, Livable Communications in the Office of Social Impact. First of all, you have to remember that whole title, which is really big, but (laughs) my question is, What does that mean? What is your role at AARP, and what is included in the Office of Social Impact, which I love that name? Well, I have to say the only part of my title that I actually bother to remember is the word senior, just because I find it so interesting to be working at AARP and have the word senior in my title. Uh, Yeah, that is pretty funny with you. They say around here a lot that 60 is the new 40, and I'm only 38, so having that senior thing is... You're the new 15, huh? Yep, yep. In fact, right. if, I, if I say anything inappropriate today on the air, I'm planning to just chalk it up to adolescent indiscretion. Okay, we'll let it go. I forewarn you. But let me tell you about, um, about where I work here. Uh, the Office of Social Impact at AARP was founded very shortly before I joined the organization, and it's really the reason that I was excited to move here. It has three tenets, uh, economic security, access to health care, and livable communities the third being livable communities where I do my direct work uh, focusing on mobility uh, issues and housing issues here. Uh, Those three issues of economic security, health care, and livable communities are certainly key to all people as they seek to enjoy and make the most of their post-50 years. 
Livable communities uh, itself, it's a term with a variety of meanings used differently by different organizations. At AARP, we surveyed our members, and we've been impressed to find out the vast majority of them, given the choice, say they want to stay in the homes and communities that they currently live in. Well, we want to help them to do that, or if they prefer, uh, to move to other desirable communities. But the key thing is working to help the communities of America become ever more welcoming and accessible to their current, their aging, and their future residents. While our program is not specifically designed for people with disabilities, there's a simple fact that to me makes it very relevant. If you have no disabilities, you can pretty much get by anywhere where there's civilization. But if you have a disability or if you acquire one or have a friend or relative you spend time with who has a disability, a livable community is the difference between not getting by or barely getting by and being able to enjoy where you live. It can be the key to staying out of an institution as well. And one of, one of the ways that we're liaising with the disability community in our livable community work is as the lead sponsor of the National Organization on Disabilities Accessible America contest. Each year, dozens of communities vie for that honor, which includes a $25,000 cash prize. And the winners and runners-up are communities that have gone way beyond what the law requires to be accessible to their residents and to visitors. Nancy Starnes and Rick Opselton and the NRD team run a really neat program there, and I would encourage anybody who's proud of their community, visit www.nod.org and learn how you can get your town or city to be an accessible America contender. Okay, well, that is awesome. Um, we, we do have another question here for you, uh, Brewster, and that is, at AARP, is there any work that you do where you break down demographics on age and diversity? Uh, we do have a survey program through our knowledge management branch, and I, we have a whole office of diversity here as well at AARP, which, in fact, I do a lot of my disability outreach work through. Uh, I don't know specifics on, on where we may have, this, on what statistics we do and don't have, but it wouldn't be hard to uh, find that out. So I just encourage, uh, with that question or any, any similar ones, to shoot me an email at bthackeray at aarp.org. That's T-H. B-T-H-A-C-K-E-R-A-Y at AARP.org. And uh, if I don't have the answer, I can at least hunt down who does here in this big building. Okay. And would you give that one more time, your email one more time? Sure. B-T-H-A-C-K-E-R-A-Y at AARP.org. Pronounced Thackeray? Uh, yeah, pronounced in any way that works. That's, that's pretty much how I say it. <laughs> I was going to say, is that how you say it? That's how I say it, yeah. I think we have a lot of educating to do across the disability community. Okay, well, we'll get it right on the air for everyone to hear. It is Brewster Thackeray. Yeah. So, Brewster, how about if you tell our listeners about Divided We Fail? Happy to. Um, this, is, this is something real exciting that's going on, and uh, people have likely seen uh, some TV ads up around this or you may have seen the little symbol. It's a little purple animal that looks sort of like a donkey and sort of like an elephant. It's got elements of both in it. Uh, AARP is joined with SEIU and the Business Roundtable in launching this campaign, Divided We Fail, with the mission of raising the voices of millions of Americans who understand that health care and lifetime financial security are extremely pressing domestic issues that face this nation. Uh, Basically, as, as the television ads stress, too many Americans are just one major illness or injury away from financial ruin. Forty-six million people are uninsured in the country. 
And at the same time, traditional ah, pension terrible. plans are disappearing. Only one in five workers today actually has a pension plan. And Social Security, as we all know, needs to be strengthened for future generations. The campaign is aiming to get candidates of all parties to address these issues uh, and pledge to prioritize them. And I'm delighted that several major disability groups have joined Divided We Fail already, including AAPD, NOD, the National Council on Independent Living, Paralyzed Veterans of America, National Coalition on Disability Rights, uh, National Disability Rights Network, and National Spinal Cord Injury Association among them. Uh, I'd certainly love to have other organizations, other disability groups join as well. That's very helpful for my work, so I encourage representatives of disability organizations to be in touch with me if they'd like to learn more. But anybody who's interested uh, as an individual as well can join the campaign at www.dividedwefail.org or through the AARP website. Dividedwefail.org, is that, that correct? That's right, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, even when you were talking there, I mean, when you think about all the people losing their homes, when you think about all the people uninsured, I mean, oh, we got to get it together. We all need to work together. It's so many problems. And unfortunately, that word disability and poverty frequently go hand in hand. So, you know, I really would encourage everyone to go. I was really uh, very impressed when I saw that at your site. And one more time, uh, first question is, what is the website? And second is, how do you become a member of AARP? Okay, sure. Um, the website, again, for us is very easy. It's aarp.org. And uh, as to how do you become a member, well, first, you've got to stick around the planet for all of 50 years. That's, uh, that's the big prerequisite. But once you do that, it's very inexpensive. It is uh, $12.50 a year. Uh, not many things you can join for that, especially that are worth joining. And I, I strongly recommend membership to anybody who is eligible. Uh, if you have stuck around the planet for 50 years, you've earned it. Now, of course, turning 50 and joining AARP will lead to some ribbing. We all know that. But I've watched friends who are at that juncture, and they get the first mailing, and maybe they're a little bit in denial about it. But then uh, they get the second mailing, and they or maybe a spouse or a friend opens it up and starts reading the benefits. And next thing you know, they join. And they join because the benefits are really very terrific. Uh, and then once they join, start getting the magazine and the bulletin, many people find themselves uh, wanting to get involved at the local or uh, state level. Uh, many people become volunteers, become very active, and find that there's a lot of things they can accomplish with the power and cloud of AARP as their connector. Uh, well, actually, that is a question that was emailed to us from uh, someone in actually in Pennsylvania, and the question is, uh, Mr. Thackeray, do you find that people who are 50 resist joining AARP? <laughs> I've, I've seen both. I, I've seen some people uh, run right out to sign up. Some people really, you know, can't get there soon enough. And I've seen other people who resist, and many people who get it as a gift uh, for somebody. Uh, it, it goes all ways, but uh, certainly, I think one of our benefits is that we don't call ourselves, you know, Association of Retired Persons anymore, uh, and we're not for 65 plus. We actually never were. We were, we were 55 plus originally, but uh, but being 50 plus, uh, you know, particularly for some people, if they get around to joining when they're 60, suddenly 50 plus sounds sort of young. So. Uh, between that and the very cutting-edge style of the magazine and the website, I think AARP's done a really good job positioning itself as an organization that uh, 
people would want to belong to. Yeah, what would you say are, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the major reasons you should join? Well, I think uh, among the reasons I would cite are certainly the member benefits, the access to some uh, things such as insurance plans and health care plans that uh, people can get as members, uh, which if they don't have access to them elsewhere can be particularly valuable. The magazine really is terrific. I used to be a magazine editor myself, and uh, I'm just amazed by what that magazine is. It's the largest circulation publication in the country, and it's actually neat to read. So that's quite an accomplishment uh, that my colleagues over there have done. Uh, and beyond that, it simply uh, it is a opportunity to connect and be kept informed uh, of issues that are important to people uh, who share in common, if nothing else, all being 50-plus. Well, this next question we were asked many, many times. As you know, what we do is we advertise um, our show ahead of time. And even within a day, we start to get emails. And this, the question that we received uh, a lot was this. Um, is AARP going to factor in prominently in the presidential election? That's a great question. Uh, one thing I can tell you for certain is we're not going to endorse a candidate. We are a strictly nonpartisan group, and we don't do that, never have, uh, and I believe never will. Uh, but what we are working to do is make sure that the candidates are actively taking stands on issues that matter to AARP members. Uh, the Divided We Fail campaign, as much as anything that the organization's ever done, is putting the pressure on to uh, get candidates on the record while they're candidates, speaking out on issues that are important to AARP members, of course, it's a good opportunity to get those issues out there, uh, particularly health care and economic security, really get people talking about those. And the nice thing as a nonpartisan group is being able to reach out to the candidates of all parties and not just, uh, you know, listen to what they're saying on one side, but see about, you know, whether there are good compromises that can be made between them. I think that also is reflected by uh, what some of my colleagues call the donk event or champ, the uh, little purple half-elephant, half-donkey. It's, it's purple for a reason. That's a combination of blue and red, as in blue mm -hmm. states and red states. And if you look at it, it's got an elephant's trunk and a donkey's ears and donkey tail and uh, or donkey legs and elephant tail. And it really uh, suggests that message that uh, divided we fail, but together anything's possible. That is so true. And please remember, we do not care if you vote Republican or Democrat. We just want you to vote. Get out there and vote. All right, we're going to go to break. I have been talking to Brewster Thackeray, who is with AARP as Senior Project Manager and who is a friend of all people with disabilities. We'll be right back. You're listening to America's Voice with Joyce Bender, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. 
People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food, it's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at bornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we have Brewster Thackeray, the Senior Project Manager in Livable Communities with AARP from the Office of Social Impact and a longtime friend of the disability community with us today. Brewster, maybe for our listeners you could talk a little bit about that. What are you doing to help the disability community at AARP? Well, uh, I've got a great opportunity since I came here that I've been uh, jumping on, which is to connect the disability community and AARP. And there were a number of people who had already done some wonderful work before I got here to get that ball rolling. What was too often, though, I think the situation was that people outside of AARP would try to get a uh, connection here and might get the wrong connection or might find someone they'd been working with had left the organization or something. And uh, there were some, some important calls that I think got dropped that way. So it's been a real good opportunity for me to uh, be here as a liaison, try to help ensure that folks from the disability community uh, get the right contacts here and that we connect the right people. Uh, Bringing the disability community and AARP together, it's really a natural connection. We share many goals and many priorities, not necessarily all, but certainly more than we don't share. Uh, after all, if we live long enough, all of us will have some disability experience, and uh, that's something that I think, as I was saying in response to that, uh, that emailed question, that's something that people who are AARP members have come to terms with now. Uh, we're out of the age of denial. Uh, and I think for AARP as an organization, we're very well aware of that, too, hence our work on livable communities. Here at AARP, I joined with some colleagues to launch an employee resource group, the Disability Interest Group, and we've become a, a resource for the organization. We have more than 50 active members now here on staff, and we host events at AARP to showcase disability community issues. Recently, we hosted Jim Ward in the Road to Freedom bus tour. Oh, awesome. He's been on my show before. That is awesome. Excellent. Well, yeah. I, 
the ADA Watch National Coalition for Disability Rights has done an amazing thing with that tour, and it was terrific to have them here briefing AARP staff on what they've seen in the field and uh, what's going on around the country. Uh, we also just uh, or, or helped uh, sponsor a cross-organizational disability forum that was organized by the board of NICL, and, uh, and our Divided We Fail team was represented at the Candidates Forum AAPD pulled together in November. So uh, th that's just a few examples of the things that we've been doing. But I find that since I know a lot of the players in the disability community, I've been having the opportunity to bring representatives from ADAPT, AAPD, NOD, NICL, Lighthouse for the Blind, many other cross-disability as well as disability-specific groups to come in and meet with AARP leaders and program managers and uh, make some further connections that hopefully will benefit people on all sides. Real win-win. Oh, well, that is really awesome. Um, and you had mentioned some of these benefits before, but uh, before we go over that, I do have a question. If someone listening to the show today wants to make a contribution to AARP, not just become a member, if they want to make a financial contribution, or if someone listening to the show wants to uh, put this in their estate to leave money to AARP. Can you do that? Well, you know, one thing that's wonderful when you work at a tiny group like NOD is you at least can delude yourself that you know everything. At a large group like AARP, it's quite different. You recognize that there's many different departments that uh, handle different issues, and that's, that's one that I honestly don't have the answer on, but I do know that we have the AARP Foundation, which is where you'd mm. want to look. And for that, I'd just go to uh, our AARP website and look up the foundation and they should have uh, definitely the, the information on that, on how one can uh, contribute to AARP in different ways. Yeah, because you have to remember, AARP, whenever people think about this, something that sometimes they don't realize is how gigantic you are. Yeah. I mean, you are really a gigantic organization and a very powerful organization. Um, and... You know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure if there's anyone listening to the show today and you want to leave millions to them, they'll be happy to take it. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, you are really a very powerful um, organization, and I believe you will have a voice in the presidential election. Just like, as you said, um, and I have that belief also that we maintain a bipartisan view at AAPD and at the Epilepsy Foundation and certainly on Voice America, but I do believe that AARP will have a powerful voice because you have such a huge constituency. Mm -hmm. I mean, how could someone not want to listen to what you have to say? Yep, well, I think that's very true, and certainly we've noticed here in the primaries that much of the media reporting has been splitting out people by age groups and finding in some cases there's some interesting differences in how people are voting by age and just like everything else, like race, gender, etc., it's one more interesting thing to note, but uh, they're, you know, it's, it's something that people are following. Well, here we go. We got a question from D.C., and the question for you, Brewster, is, as is noted with your group, very large, very powerful uh, in the United States, my question is, what do you think we have to do in the disability community to get united again as we were at one time, and that one time was the signing of the ADA? Yeah. Uh, and certainly I was, uh, I was in college at that time and not active with the disability community, but I've sure learned about it by having a chance to know folks like Justin Dart and 
Dick and Ginny Thornburg and Tony Coelho and so many others who were uh, the leaders in making that all happen. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's tough to say what would be an equally intense rallying uh, across the board, across disability uh, thing. But I certainly hope that I, uh, you know, that overall the disability community will take advantage of the modern era of communications as we've never had before, uh, organizing opportunities that don't have to cost a huge amount of money via the Internet uh, to share information and to get people together. Uh, I honestly don't know what that next great big opportunity will be, but I think there's lots of little opportunities that are happening almost you know, daily as people connect uh, and recognize the overlap of interest in uh, so many issues in the disability community. Well, just like divided, we fail. Yeah, I mean, divided, we fail. You know, it's too early to know. It's certainly making an impact right now. And who knows, will we look back and say that was the, you know, watershed event uh, in bringing people together on health care and economic security? Certainly the people, my colleagues, who are working very, very hard on it are hopeful that's going to be the case, and I hope so. But, I, you know, I think the, uh, the ADA, I, I wonder, you know, at what moment it hit people, what a huge thing it was, sort of, almost like, you know, other great moments in history, the Emancipation Proclamation and others, uh, when it's realized, if it's, if it's only after it's done or sometimes you realize in the course of the movement that it really is going to work and it really is going to do wonders. I'm certainly excited that there's so much energy around ADA restoration and there's a lot of energy, of course, about uh, independent living movement. And I think, uh, you know, every day more people wake up to realize how important disability-related issues are to them, their loved ones, and our society. Yes, and since you brought that up, let me just say once again about that ADA Restoration Act. You know we need to get this signed by the president because this will restore the Americans with Disabilities Act as it was originally intended to be. It has been weakened so much that many of you listening to the show right now, if you were discriminated against, would not be covered under the ADA, and that would include those of you, like me, with epilepsy, unless you're having a seizure right at that moment. So I would ask all of you, go to aapd.com, go to the epilepsyfoundation.org, read about the ADA Restoration Act, and then make sure you're... House person and your senator have signed on. You need to speak up. It's one thing Tony Quello taught me, and he is so right. Any time you get a chance, take the podium. In our case, if we don't speak up, hey, no one's going to speak for you. You've got to speak up. ADA Restoration Act, you've got to make sure that your congressman or woman is behind that. Don't forget to check into that. Again, epilepsyfoundation.org or aapd.com. And I don't know, Brewster, do you talk about that at uh, AARP? We certainly do. We've got some uh, excellent folks on our government relations team who are you know, working on that, as with any other issue that is a, uh, a legislative issue. Uh, very few things that affect, you know, in this case, certainly affects uh, older Americans as it affects people with disabilities, and so we've got uh, people tracking it and working on that. That's good. And also, do you, can they go to your website and get information? That's what I meant. Yeah, um, 
I can't swear, but I think there will there may well be things on there on that. I, I have not checked. Okay. Well, and I know for sure on those other sites that you can go, and I'm sure yep. there's probably something on your site. But remember, that is because AAPD is right out there across disability group, you know, advocacy. And with the Epilepsy Foundation, Tony Coelho was the past chair, and he was also the author of the Americas with Disabilities Act, and he is the one really behind the scenes doing so much to move this forward. So, But make sure you find out about that. It is so important to all of you. Uh, Brewster, what are you thinking is going to happen with this huge labor shortage we are anticipating in the United States due to all these people that are going to join AARP? Well, uh, they're, one thing we know is that while they're going to join AARP, uh, many of them are not going to retire. And there's been some interesting trends there, uh, both because of economic need and also just because of uh, lifestyle, in effect, uh, that some people <clears throat> are not retiring. They're staying at their jobs into their 70s. Other people retire and become consultants. Uh, and so there's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see what's happening with those trends. Now, of course, there are going to be some areas where there will be significant retirement, and that could create some opportunities for new programs to help people with disabilities fill in in the workforce. Uh, that's something that I have some colleagues here who are working on, uh, you know, on the economic security and on the older worker issues, and uh, there's a lot of work being focused on that because there's no question there's going to be need for some older workers to return or stay uh, or find a new way to work. But there's also going to be some great opportunities for people who traditionally haven't been in the workforce, perhaps, to find new ways to be uh, worked in. And that would be people with disabilities, an untapped labor pool. Don't wait until you're in economic peril. Start thinking about it now, about hiring people with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender. If you just joined us, we're going to come back to close the show with Brewster Thackeray, who is a senior project manager at AARP and a friend and champion to all people with disabilities. You're listening to Joyce Bender on VoiceAmerica.com, where disability matters. We'll be right back with Brewster. Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much, unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. 
The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE-TODAY. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we have been talking this past hour to Brewster Thackeray, who is a senior project manager at AARP and a longtime friend of Americans with Disabilities. And if you did just join us, remember, this show will be archived on voiceamerica.com and benderconsult.com. You can go back and listen to the show and tell your friends if they want to know more about what is going on today with AARP. Now, Brewster, I asked these last two questions to every person that has been on this show for the past four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first question is, already you've accomplished so much, as evident by the story you told us before, you know, working with uh, NOD, you know, before coming here, uh, being, you know, mentored with Alan Reich, so many things you've done. Also, knowing Justin Dart, uh, Tony, Quello, all these people you mentioned. Uh, but I have to ask you, in your opinion, what is your proudest accomplishment? Well, when I left NOD, uh, Alan Reich said to me, pulling into his office, and he said, do me a favor, don't forget us when you're over at AARP. And I said, Alan, after all you've done for me, of course I'm not going to forget NOD. But he stressed that wasn't at all what he meant. What he meant was remember all the disability groups, the disability community, and work on projects that will benefit people with disabilities. Now, I've been really happy with the opportunities I've had to do that here for the past three and a half years, and I think particularly getting the uh, disability interest group rolling here at AARP has uh, made a difference and gotten things rolling on a, on a really good level. But I also think that there's an awful lot that lies ahead, and so I'm excited to find myself in this opportunity, in this position, where I can help in that outreach role and hopefully uh, continue connecting these communities. Well, and you know what? You have a lot to be proud of. You, you really have, he, he, he can take it that you have never forgotten the disability community. That is a fact. And we all appreciate that, Brewster, because we all need all the help we can get. You mentioned Justin Dart. How did you know Justin? Well, I was very lucky to meet Justin through Ginny Thornburg when I was working with her. And uh, there were several opportunities, just had a chance to get together. And uh, when you meet somebody, when you've already been explained what a lion and what a legend they are in a community, you meet them and you kind of expect there to be this big ego. And what really impressed me with Justin was I was an opportunity at some points where I was, I was introducing some young interns I was working with to him and just how absolutely uh, personable and modest he was in his own connecting with that next generation of advocates. It was really a neat thing to experience, and uh, I think that you know we, we miss Justin very much, but at the same time, some people you know you just miss because they're gone. Other people you think of and you realize how lucky uh, we were to share a planet and particularly in this case to share a cause. And it's wonderful, too, of course, to have uh, Justin's wife, Yoshiko, continuing to work with us and be such a great 
uh, and really maternal presence uh, to the disability community. Yes, and Yoshiko, I know you listen to this show frequently, and I say to you, you are awesome. And Justin's spirit lives on. It He does. His spirit lives on. And you know what, Brewster? You really captured the whole essence of Justin Dart when you said humble. So humble that man was that even if right now he would be here, you know what he'd be telling me? Quit making a big deal over me. <laughs> everyone else. That's what he would say. I mean, but he, he just, he's like Yoshika, the real deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the real deal. And I'll tell you another real deal. You mentioned Miss Jenny Thornburg. Dick and Jenny Thornburg are just two wonderful people, and I know you know both of them from working at NOD and working with her, but many people do not know that she was behind getting that only time prayer said when yep. the Civil Rights Act was signed. Yep. Was Jenny Thornburg, and here she is today still going into churches, synagogues, mosques, wherever it is, telling them, you need to include people with disabilities. You need to include them in worship. It must have also been a treat for you working with her. It, it was, and I just if I could digress for just a moment, there's a few other people that I've been so lucky to work with. Of course, at NOD, Christopher Reeve was the vice chairman when I was there. That was exciting. But there's two people that uh, your listeners may be familiar with and may not that I want to encourage everybody to Google and learn more about who I've been very lucky to work with. Uh, one is Juliet Rizzo, a friend of mine who was Ms. Wheelchair America 2005 and who is just my favorite person to brainstorm with and uh, really coming up always with some very, very good ideas for advancing the cause of the disability movement. And another is Robert David Hall, who plays Dr. Anthony Robbins on CSI, uh, the original Las Vegas-based CSI. And he, too, is a great thinker on disability issues, but also I've been so impressed by his, literally how his work as an actor shows not only that people with disabilities belong in theater and in Hollywood, but also they belong there playing real people who play real roles in society. David also does amazing work bringing in other uh, actors with disabilities and working to ensure that they get roles to continue that uh, beyond what he's doing as an individual. I think that's fantastic. And, yes, I agree with you. And he really does a fantastic job on that show. Yep. He really does. I mean, his acting is outstanding. But, as you said, it's really great seeing someone with a disability play the part versus let's go hire this person that yep. doesn't have a disability to play the part. Yep, there's times well, where, you know, if somebody has to play a before and after or something, there's a reason to hire somebody without a disability, but there's other times where the person with a disability might just do an even better job than another actor could. And so yes, what do, you, what do you remember most about Christopher Reeve? Uh, Christopher Reeve was just a fascinating, complex person, and what really struck me was how covered in his biography that he had wanted to die after his accident, that he had had just felt that he had lived his life and he wasn't going to go on as a person with paralysis, and how that changed, and how he came to realize not only could he live, but he could be a leader in a way that he had not been before, in a different way. Uh, and getting to work with him, I never worked with somebody prior to that who had such a severe level of paralysis, 
And I really found it fascinating not only how he got through his daily life, but how eager he was to share it, particularly in a way in in a uh, made-for-TV movie he made, remade of Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, where he really showed how he worked with speech-to-text devices and how his power wheelchair moved and all. I think uh, he really showed a lot of people that even a very, very severe disability does not have to stop one from having a very worthwhile life. Yeah. And while I know he was controversial, uh, I think his positive message far, far outweighed uh, some of the things he said that I know uh, caused controversy over the years. Yes. Well, I mean, you really did work with a lot of great people, and I'm sure that all of them did have an... You know Tony Quello well also. Yeah, another uh, great idol of mine, and uh, it's been... I've had the opportunity a couple times, including here at AARP. Uh, Tony came in for our 16 Candles for the ADA event a couple years ago, and he spoke about his experience with epilepsy and made me realize how incredibly fortunate I was to be born, however many it was, a couple decades after he was, and... Uh, how much less stigma I faced as a result of pioneers like himself who uh, refused to just let uh, stereotypes of who they were and what they could do hold them back. Yes, and he is truly a just awesome individual. And when you heard me talk about the AAPD gala, by the way, Tony's the vice chair, and Tony was the master of ceremonies, and he is fantastic as the MC at any event, he, he, he just is. But the thing about Tony, I know him very well, and I can tell you he does giving back all the time. He's out there working on that ADA Restoration Act. He's working all the time. He is also the real deal. Well, Brewster, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, first I want to thank them for listening to your show, not just today, but uh, every time you're on, because this is just a terrific resource uh, for informing disability advocates about important issues and efforts that are going on today. This is a real exciting time in election year, and I would just encourage people to read up on Divided We Fail, track AAPD's efforts on the election, and uh, look to those local politicians to move forward on livable community-related issues. Well, Brewster, thank you very much for joining us. This has been Brewster Thackeray. You have been a delight as usual. Thanks so much, Joyce. And listen, we end with a quote every show from a famous civil rights leader. And since we talked so much today about voting, you know I have to say it. Vote as if your life depends upon it, because it probably does, said the great Justin Dart. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters on voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.